Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to the animated series Star Wars Resistance. Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and today we're reviewing Star Wars Resistance, Episode 7, Sonara's Score. Uh, thought this would be a sequel in ways to Episode 6, Signal from Sector 6, and in many ways it was, but it wasn't as closely tied as we thought, but I'll get into that. Uh, if you're uh, looking around the Radio Dakar channel on iTunes and SoundCloud, uh, you'll notice that our holiday special is up, uh, where I review LEGO Star Wars All-Stars from Trenches to Wrenches, The Roger Story. It is a different episode than what you're used to with me, uh, but if you like uh, LEGO Star Wars or if you're curious, please check that out. But we're back talking about Resistance. I'm just going to run through it. Overall, uh, an episode I really enjoyed. It was written by Gavin uh, Hignite. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Um, but he, And I'll talk about it. He, he mixed the humor and the action really well in this episode. Um, I think it was one of the better mixes of the two that we've had so far. And we got to see Yeager in action, which... I've been very curious about that character. I know he's got an episode coming up. But it was just really cool to see what um, what he'll do when uh, danger is present. Uh, but getting into the episode, again, a beautiful shot of the Colossus at the beginning. But we get to see a new part of it. We get to see the loading docks where uh, salvage uh, work goes on. And uh, if you look closely, and they go back to the shot throughout the episode, they are pulling up wreckage from the ocean. And as it turns out, there's a lot of ship wreckage to be found. Which does raise the question, uh, is the Colossus mobile? Or I, I figured it was like a stationary platform that uh, it's built into, uh, you know, the ground... Um, the ground that's underneath the water right there but if they keep if they're able to keep pulling up um, wreckage and everything I wonder if it's a floating platform not really sure I might have to ask about that uh, but we get our I think our first conversation between Doza and Yeager which based on like I think it was in the second episode when Yeager is uh, just looking at Doza Tower and talking about what goes on there, um, that uh, he has a very strained relationship with Doza, or maybe kept it arm's length. But here they are talking uh, via hologram about uh, the defenses being down and that the aces will be out um, escorting a supply ship. Uh, I mean, they seem to be getting along pretty well. And then, if you've seen the clip, uh, there's another conversation next week that's personal. So, but it was good to see the interaction, because I don't think we've seen that before with them. 
but a Uyghur has been tasked with um, getting the targeting computers back up so they can have platform defenses again in case there's another pirate attack, which of course there will be. And then we and this leads to well, what I thought was a nice little touch with the animation where you know the the targeting computer blowout happens, and then uh, you can hear Niku talk about how bad it is off camera, and then Do, um, you know Doza he turns his head in the hologram like he knows something's going on, and then Yeager uh, shuts it off really quick. So that was a nice touch. Turns out they need a new uh, chip for the target targeting computer. Uh, it's very hush-hush since you know it has to do with station defenses. Uh, so Tam and Kaz have to go uh, find this part, and Niku has to be quiet about it. So again, he takes it very literally, but it leads to a nice continuous gag where he just covers his mouth and won't won't talk. And he just mumbles the whole time. Uh, they do go to acquisitions first uh, to find it, uh, which is nice because we get that great scene with Orca and Flicks. Uh, anytime Bobby Moynihan and Jim Rash can be on the show, I love. Uh, I know they're busy guys, but uh, more, more Flicks and Orca. I cannot remember who said it, but um, they they tweeted out uh, Star Wars Resistance, but. Flex and Orca are the main characters. Which actually made me think of there was a classic I don't know about classic, but there was an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called Lower Decks which took place from the perspective of these four junior officers, or just crewmen, and they interacted with Riker and Worf and the main characters, but it was all from their perspective. And it was uh, just really cool that they would do the entire episode like that. So, I don't, I don't know if they have time before you know, things change because of the war, but it'd be really cool if there was an episode of Resistance where it's told, like from Flix and Orca's perspective, you know, they have different people come in the shop or in, into acquisitions or like it always takes place at Aunt Z's and it depends on who comes in and out so yeah more flicks and orca and uh, the thing I liked about that scene was uh, they still had the gorg that Kaz got them way back when it might, it might be a different gorg but I assume it's the one yeah, he picked up and then um, just background hijinks ensue while they're talking I like that Gorgs aren't a critical part of the series, but they're always there uh, for visual cues and everything. So I like that. So they wind up at the loading docks because Kaz um, knows Sonara is there. Uh, so this, I guess, is something I talked about last week. Uh, I was a bit surprised that after they rescued Sonara and got her on the Colossus that they went ahead and revealed that she was indeed one of the pirates and that uh, Kraken will come up with a plan for her. But then you have to consider it's a kid's show so 
you know, you're not totally sure if they'll remember for the next episode. Oh yeah, wait, that was that girl they helped. Oh, you know, oh, she, it turns out she's bad. But go ahead and, you know, tease that at the end of the last episode. And so when Kaz, you know, offers, hey, let's go get Sonara for help, uh, since she's a salvager now, you know, the kids will remember, oh, wait, she's uh, a pirate. And I like that, even though it's a direct continuation or sequel, per se, of last week, uh, they do acknowledge the passage of time because uh, Kaz mentions that she was the survivor that they registered a while back. So, and just based on uh, how comfortable she seems at the loading dock and uh, everything, maybe a month has passed, at least a few weeks. So I, I just thought that was nice, you know. They went ahead and continued the story, but they acknowledged that some time had passed on the show. And it gets us closer to the events of The Force Awakens. Which, at this point, I'm guessing is mid-season. But we'll see. And, it, again, here's where the humor... Well, the humor already started with Niku. But you get Kaz just being super awkward with Sonara... Uh, trying to be smooth with her, you know, to get the the part that they need. Can't even remember what it's called. It's kind of like uh, the episode of Friends. Uh, I think it was the title of it was the one where Ross can't flirt, and they kept. If you've watched Friends, uh, they kept Ross uh, had a thing for the pizza delivery girl, so they kept calling pizzas in to get her to deliver out there. And every time he tried to flirt with her, and it didn't work because he's no good at it. Um, that that's Kaz in this scene, but Tam, you know she's cool, so she she gets what she wants. And I don't know if it's the first time we found out, but um, she says charge it to Eager's repairs. I guess that's technically the name of his business on the Colossus, which makes sense. But it's nice to know there's a name for it. So they get the part back, and you know, got to keep working on it. Niku's still not talking. And then, because you know, they ask for military-grade equipment, uh, Sonara has suspicions, so she goes out and does some reconnaissance. You know, um, and I'm glad they threw it in. We get the binocular view of her checking out the turrets, noticing they're not operational, and then does a tower. She sees. Um, eager in there talking and she knows that Kaz works for Eager but um, yeah the binocular point of view has been there since uh, the first Star Wars A New Hope you know 40 years ago so hey nice touch putting it in uh, that's, that's just classic Star Wars and before I forget yeah I want to mention and this is totally from uh, Jonah Marie Macias' article on Culture S, something I did not think about when I first watched the episode. I just assumed that racing has been going on on Castellon for so long that, you know, people are going to use any sort of racer they can acquire, whether it's something really sleek like the Aces use or um, 
heavily worked on, like the Fireball, or perhaps old uh, military ships like Y-Wings, and it was specifically mentioned, and everything else. Um, I just figured they were used for racing. And then, uh, in her article on Culture S, Joan Marie uh, brought up the possibility that, well, what if... Um, Castellan is like Jakku in that a major battle took place there previously and has a debris field, albeit one underwater, instead of just buried in the sand. And th I thought that was a really cool thought. It's something I didn't consider. Um, maybe there was a major battle. And she pointed out, you know, the First Order knows about the planet. And um, they probably thought it was, might be a good resource for that reason. Um... Maybe that's why they want it so bad. Um, could just be that it's on a hyperspace lane that's critical to them since they're coming out of uh, unknown regions. But maybe it's they know what's under that water. Maybe they need to raise the Titanic in so many words. You know, there, there's actually that that would be really cool if there's like this massive imperial battleship that's under there that they need to get. And because they know something's on it. Um, like, tucked away. So, yeah, that's it. I'll link the article out later. But, yeah, just a really cool thought. That the fact there is military-grade equipment under that water. Uh, so, getting back. Um, so, Sonara... Uh, she contacts um, Drell, who's one of the pirates, and then he gets Kragen for her. Uh, so Kragen knows um, that the aces uh, will be uh, doing the supply escort, and that the turrets are currently down, even though they're on the verge of being fixed. And then we get the, you know, the conversation dozes off us about the urgency of all this, and and he knows. I mean, he hasn't made the connection yet, but he knows the pirates are more well-equipped. And this uh, this scene, uh, at least the voiceover, was heard back in uh, the, the full-length trailer. Uh, you didn't know it was Doza at the time, but um, talking about um, the pirates are well-equipped, um, you know, they've got funding, basically. And again, it goes back to they're using old Imperial tech, uh, like with the uh, uniform, and I mean, we see it later. You know, one of the pirates has a, a stormtrooper helmet where the top is missing, so he kind of wears it just as a face mask. Um, just stuff like that. You know, the First Order gave that to them because they had it just laying around. And they said, here, fortify yourself and go attack. And I do like, uh, we get this shot of Doza looking out his window to the Colossus, and you see, you know, everything looks fine. It's a beautiful day, and um, uh, just you know the tower, uh, the other. I mean, it's an old imperial facility, so you recognize the architecture of what you know. It's kind of like a star destroyer on the ocean, but you see the various you know smaller towers out there, and everything looks fine. And then when he looks out the window later in the episode, there's chaos and damage and everything else. So I, I thought that was a nice, I don't even know if it was foreshadowing, but 
uh, just to get that view where it's everything's okay and then you get a view where everything's not okay okay so then we get the funniest scene in the episode I was laughing at this um, I, yeah just quality humor when Sonara shows up because you know she she knows what's up so she's gonna do get as much information as she can so she makes a peace offering at Yeager's uh, repairs and then you know starts off with Niku you know wanting to tell them they have a, a visitor while they're talking about their mission and then Kaz and Tam just being like oh crap she's here what do we say and Kaz even worked. I mean Tam's just standing there smiling but Kaz cannot shut up and then she points out you know it looks like a targeting computer no it's not a targeting computer it's a food steamer uh, for food that's steamed oh man I love that and then Kaz like bye bye thanks for coming bye meanwhile she's standing there with a case of stuff for them I mean I can't say enough good things about just how awkwardly funny that whole thing was and then um, if you'll notice you know Kaz um, she, I mean it was a it looked like a pretty heavy case of extra parts that she had and she was kind of you know leaning into it um, so Kaz takes it and you know drops it immediately it's kind of a callback you know and I talked a lot about it uh, two or three episodes ago where Tam uh, hand, oh yeah it was um, the children of Tahara where Tam handed uh, Kaz the part that was tucked under her arm and then he drops it so then I started talking about wow Tam is really really strong and, and you know since the same thing happens here maybe Kaz is just a weakling uh, maybe he um, isn't just very strong in the arms um, I still think Tam is super strong because of how we see her fighting in the end uh, I'll, I'll get into that in a minute about my Tam theories so anyway yeah we have the great scene uh, and um, you know just to alleviate the awkwardness Tam offers to Bison our lunch as thank you. So then we um, get the great conversation at the marketplace where, you know, they're just having not even girl to girl talk, but just, you know, um, salvager talk, I guess you could say. We learn more about Tam and her backstory, uh, about her dad was a racer and she wanted to be one too. And um, as she was working her way up the circuit, uh, she had to borrow against uh, the value uh, against her ship to for repairs. Lost the race. Lost her ship. I was trying to figure out how that connected to hype and what we learned about her relationship to him in the high tower. Um, not really sure unless it's just they were there at the same time. Now. If you've listened to all my episodes, you know that I believe, as of now, that Tam is the First Order collaborator that Kaz was sent there to find. 
so as I was, you know, because I came up with that theory so early, I've been watching episodes and scenes like this with that in mind. So I'm thinking, why is she telling Sonara this? I mean, is, is that true or... You know, and where did this race where she lost her ship take place? Was it on Castellon or was it other places? Because, and I'll talk about this more next week, because there was a direct reference uh, to Bloodline by Claudia Gray, and I had to have it pointed out to me because I didn't have the audio turned all the way up when I first watched the preview scene. Um, but, yeah, in Bloodline, there's racing going on in other parts of the galaxy. Um, because Han Solo was involved with it. Uh, this is before the uh, creation of Kylo Ren. So, you know, where, where exactly did Tam lose her ship and what race? Uh, because that whole thing would make a good cover story as to why she's down on her luck at um, on Castellon. You know, is that how she approached Eager? Hey, I lost my ship. I need, um, I'll work, you know, to repair a ship, uh, to uh, get back on my feet and all that. And then that would afford her a chance to spy for the First Order while on a critical platform that they are interested in. I don't know. Again, this is my theory. Now, I mean, it may be, you know, if she's not actually First Order, this is just her recognizing another outsider, somebody who's there, not on their own full will, uh, just because of their circumstance in life. Uh, you know, some people online are already shipping uh, Tam and Sonara. I think it, Tamara is the ship name. That's fine too if that's what it turns out to be, because you know they, especially later on when Tam helps out Sonara during the battle, they, I mean they have a connection, they understand each other. But then I'm wondering, okay, so without it being said, Sonara's a pirate, Tam is maybe first order. There's that outsider connection too. So. A lot to think about after just a simple, um, just simple conversation outside, and then you know the aces fly overhead, and you know we snap back to the mission. Tam's like, "Oh, I got to get back to my thing," and then Kaz is, you know, telling her we got to work on the project. So more, more humor. And going back to the, you know, Tam being the first order collaborator. I mean, we are solidly into, and, and you could tell after the first couple episodes, Team Fireball is the main group of characters on the show. We have, I mean, as, other than the High Tower and, you know, just shots here and there, we have barely seen the Aces. And we got the episode of Hype, we've seen Tora off and on. You know, if we're supposed to be invested enough in the show to be wondering, you know, who's who's the person that Kaz was sent there to find. Uh, to me, it just makes sense if it's one of the main characters in some way we've seen week to week. But the Aces are so distant at this point, I just don't think it's going to be any of them, although I may be wrong.
Well, we see the aces are on that mission that was alluded to where they're going to help the supply ship. So then, you know, Tam and Kaz know the clock is ticking, but then Sonara knows this is the opening they needed for the pirates to attack. And so the, the pirates do attack, and it's not the... You know, it's different methods than the previous attack, which I loved. That was one of my favorite scenes, especially early on. Um, you know, it's neat that, yeah, their, their attacks are different each time. Because the first one was uh, during the triple dark, so they were under cover of cloud and darkness. But it was mostly, like, just with their heavily armed ships and trying to attack the platform peripherally and then the aces get involved but this one is you know way more low you know involved is it's in broad daylight but they know they have their window of opportunity and it's more about jumping onto the ship or on the platform and um, like one-on-one -on -one, uh, combat and just causing general chaos uh, firing their weapons uh, just doing what they need to, you know, uh, Doza mentioned, or, no, Yeager mentions later, you know, they probably got all the food and supplies they need. Um, you know, you just see them, like, creating chaos, which was the real reason they're sent there, so that, you know, the people will be scared, and they'll, you know, they'll worry about the defenses, so um, that's when, you know, Doza would, you know, cave and make the deal with the First Order. But I really like that the pirate attacks come in different forms. So, and then it takes me back to the question I had last week. You know, what was the reason for wanting, you know, if they were attacking that uh, transport with the knowledge that there's monkey lizards on it, what were they going to use the monkey lizards for? And I speculated, well, you know, you drop them off on the... Um, Colossus, you could create some chaos with those running around creating havoc, and um, and if you brought the ape lizard with you, then he would really just wreck stuff throughout the hallways and everything. So obviously they didn't know until Sonara was able to integrate herself onto the Colossus that they would have such an opportunity for this more intimate attack than just firing on the Colossus. Uh, this, I mean, just from the chaos of what they were doing, it, yeah, they could have deployed, you know, a lot of monkey lizards and had them running around, um, you know, just frightening people on the marketplace and then, you know, through the hallways. I mean, we got to see that just with the pirates. But just great visuals of all the stuff they were doing. So then we get to see, you know, the, each of Team Fireball, well, I was, I was going to say each of them, but, you know, Niku and Bucket uh, have the great siege and uh, heroically hide in the supply closet. So, yeah, that, that, that was worth it for them to really not be seen during the fight for that part to pay off at the end. That was just a good use of Niku 
to have that continual where he's trying to stay quiet and hide the whole episode. But we get to see Tam fighting, uh, like the hallway fight where she um, shoves the like the little hover lift into the pirate, and and then the citizens, you know, they pick up the uh, like supplies that are on there and just scurry off. And but I was most pleased with Yeager and getting to see him uh, in action because I've said it, I love his character, the fact he was former uh, Rebellion, you know, he had a family, so, you know, what's his background? So I'd been, I'd been looking forward to seeing him get his hands dirty. Anyway, it was great that he got to fight side-by-side side with Kaz, and, you know, Kaz kind of got to prove himself to Yeager some, and, and we're going to find out so much more next week um, during the Platform Classic. I cannot wait. So, my favorite sequence or set of shots in the episode is when Yeager um, gets the targeting computer on the the hover lift, which is you know like a floating fork or flying forklift, and then Cass is on there, and the music's building. My, Michael Travera yet again did a great job. With, I mean, he. he all his music's great, but he just excels during the action scenes. Uh, because you have those on the comm link, I need the, I need the targeting computer, and Yeager's were on it. And then, you know, the floor in the shop goes away so that they can take the forklift through it and dive below the platform. And the music's building up. But just the shot of from the time the hover lift uh, goes down and Kaz is freaking out because you know they're falling for a minute and then Yeager starts flying um, back up around the Colossus and then you have the pirates swooping in to try to take them out and then you have the shot of Yeager taking the hover lift up and going all the way up to Doza Tower. Um, I mean, that was just beautiful Star Wars stuff. Um, I'm describing it badly, but uh, that just that sequence of shots and the music and the dialogue and everything just just made me so happy. Like this is a Star Wars show that we're seeing a forklift flying around being attacked by pirates. I mean, just great fun. It's a more light-hearted, less dire version of that amazing shot in The Last Jedi where there's one bomber left and you see it traveling over the surface of the dreadnought and then all the firefighting is going on and then Paige is trying to drop the payload not before they get destroyed I mean it obviously wasn't that dire but uh, just to see them heroically piloting the hoverlift up towards Doza Tower to, uh, with a defense system on there just beautiful more, more of that, more battles and 
um, just general action like that. Man, I love the show. <laughs> you know, like every episode, there's like one or two little things that uh, just please me so much. I'm like, man, this is just a great animated Star Wars show. And then we get Yeager paying homage to Harrison Ford. Pirate jumps on, and he's like, "Get off my lift!" And he's and it's and they said it on Bucket's list. It's a direct homage to Air Force One when Harrison Ford says, "Get off my plane." That's some good writing. Thanks, Gavin. Um, and there's just a lot of action, you know, with the Tamis and R on the uh, loading docks, and then uh, Kaz and Eager uh, fighting off the pirates so they can load the, you know, they actually get the targeting computer core in in the slot, and they're trying to get it in properly. And that's just some great dis uh, suspense when it's in there, and then the sequence of lights is starting, but it looks like it's going to break down and fail, and then it kicks in and gets inserted properly and the door closes. I, I, I seriously thought for a second that it wasn't going to work, and that they were going to have to find another way to fight off the pirates. But they gave us that sp split second of uncertainty and then went right into, hey, it works, and um, Doze is able to get, get on his... Uh, Looked like a laptop. Thought it was nice, nice touch. Um, but yeah, get on his laptop and get the cannons activated. And, and then another good point. So they're you know they get the cannons activated, and they're able to defend properly against the pirates. And then Kragen's like, "We've done enough damage. A retreat." For one thing, he calls them the Warbirds. So at least there's a name for this pirate group. And again, I can't remember if that was said before. Maybe I didn't notice. So they're the Warbirds. It's good to know. But I like that. And even more so than the first attack during the Triple Dark. You know, they set out what they meant to do by causing chaos and fear on the Colossus. So it wasn't... You know, and the pirates are, they are a formidable adversary. They're not going in there and totally failing. It's not like, you know, Cobra from the old G.I. Joe cartoon where they have this great plan and, you know, they just go in and because, because Cobra Commander is incompetent, they, um, you know, totally get routed by G.I. Joe. No, it's not like that. The pirates are going in, doing their mission. And they would win if it wasn't for things they didn't anticipate. Like they had the aces beat during the triple dark, but then Cass came up with, uh, with quick thinking, the th uh, you know running um, the comlink feedback through the um, through the um, ship comm system so that they would be disrupted. And then in this one, I mean, they're overwhelming the whole platform. But then, you know, Kaz and Yeager are just determined enough to get the targeting computer in there. So, good job to everyone for establishing the Warbirds as, you know, a group that can 
defeat the station if they need to. So again, yeah, Kaz, you can tell by the way Uyghur's talking to him when they get back to the garage that, yeah, Kaz has earned Uyghur's respect. I mean, he's seen him in action now. I'm sure Kaz respects Uyghur more because, you know, he's, up until now, you know, everybody talks about, like, what his accomplishments have been, and, you know, he's seen the photos, but this is the first time he got to see him in action, too. So we'll see how their relationship develops. So I mentioned, yeah, yeah what Niku was up to. And then uh, we get the final scene with Doza. Um, you know, he's, again, um, you know, call back to early in the episode. He looks out the window and just sees the smoke rising from all the damage. And he's like, okay, this is it. So he contacts Commander Pyre. So there will be... Um, he, he's going to look at the proposal for what the First Order wants to do with the, the platform. And I'll, I'll end it with what I thought was just a beautiful shot of we're looking at Yeager, but the hologram of Pyre is you know, in between us and him. And then it shuts off and you can see you know, Doze is frowning and just not happy about the situation. That, that, that's just I, I, I'm sure it's been done in one of the live action movies where the but the framing of it where Pyre's helmet is covering Doze's face and you know as soon as it goes out you see like the true emotion on his face I mean that is just a beautiful shot and I don't, it, yeah it's a kid's show but they are going all out with the visuals just outstanding. Just a solid episode. Um, again, a shout out to Gavin Hignight, the writer. Also, shout out to um, Nesneen Contractor, who's playing Sonara. Uh, the Force.net has a um, interview with her. I've already tweeted it out. Uh, I mean, she was good last week, but yeah, she was very solid as Sonara this week. It showed a lot of emotion. Uh, where she's really taken, you know, surprised by Tam's, um, not sacrifice, but just offer f friendship by helping her on during the battle and, you know, being sneaky when she's talking to Kragen and the other warbirds. Yeah, a solid episode. Um, looking forward to the one next week. I mean, they, they hit the ground running and seven, eight episodes in. They're, they're just doing great. Cannot wait to see where this goes. If I seem more relaxed and subdued, it's the middle of the night when I'm recording this. You know, the recording schedule was a bit off this week because of, you know, I wanted to do the holiday special with Lego Star Wars. If you heard Baby Cooing, he's been sleeping on me the whole time. But he's starting to wake up, so I'm going to cut it short. Uh, that's it. A great episode. Can't wait for next week. Um, uh, follow me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Radio Dakar, R-A-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R. Um, you know, any questions you might have, uh, I'll try to pass them along to proper creators. Um, let me know what you thought of the episode. Um, until then, 
I'll see you next week for the Platform Classic. May the Force be with you.